Yo, what's good with y'all, man? Money Game Podcast. Clocking in for another episode, episode uh, 67. Now we're getting up there, man. So now, um, this episode, um, I'm going to call this, I was debating, coronavirus episode, but they ain't really going to talk about that as much as I'm going to talk about this whole Meg Thee Stallion, Jay Prince, 1501 situation, Rock Nation. It's a lot of shit to say, but whatever. Everybody knows what's going on. Um, but yeah, I'm, it's going to be the labels episode, episode 67, the labels episode. So, um, uh, Jada Kiss has a new album out, Ignatius. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'll talk about that briefly and talk about what Jada Kiss means to the rap game or what he should mean to the rap game. Um, one of the, two of the best albums in hip hop, um, dropped Friday. One was G Herbo PTSD. And Lil Baby coming through with um, My Turn. And I'll talk about um, how the, those are projects are viewed via social media. And what I like about those two different projects. Now, um, NFL talk. Mari Cooper probably won't be a Cowboy this season. I'll talk about how I feel about that. Why I feel like this is a good or bad thing. The pros and cons. And weigh it out and see will it really be effective to the Cowboys in this season. Um, the the Lakers we got we on a um a little road trip or whatever, we beat Philly. Next is Milwaukee, then Sunday we gonna finish it off with the Clippers, and I'm gonna talk about what, like why these are statement games for the Lakers and or LeBron James. And like I said, this is the labels episode. So, the first thing I'm gonna be talking about is which is like what's the most trending headline in hip hop this week is Meg Thee Stallion and her label situation. So, out of the intro, let's go ahead and skip episode 67 started. And let's go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room with Meg Thee Stallion versus 1501. So, as you all know by now, Meg Thee Stallion went live on Instagram to address her current and ongoing label situations with independent label Houston based 1501 and here's what she had to say Get to the point, man. 
There we go. And I've been seeing a lot of little shit on the internet. Motherfuckers be talking shit. And it's real crazy because all I did was ask to renegotiate my contract. Cap. Then it became a big old thing. When I signed, I didn't really know what was in my contract. It was two years ago, though. I was young. I think I was like 20. Two years and ago. I didn't know everything that was in that contract. So when I got with Rock Nation, I got management, real management. I got real lawyers. And they was like, do you know that this is in your contract? And I was like, oh, damn, that's crazy. No, I didn't know. So I'm not mad at 15 on 1. I wasn't upset because... founded by former MLB baseball player Carl Crawford. Now, Carl Crawford took the Instagram to say this about Meg Thee Stallion and how she lashed out at them just now. They can thrash me or whatever they do, but the real is you got Hollywood and you got up under Rock Nation and you're acting like you don't have to honor your contract no more. Then you want to say you tried to negotiate. Man, you sent your lawyers in there and they want to take me out. She owed me four albums and they want me to offer they want to offer me one album and take everything away. They're crazy. He went on to go say she was telling y'all finesse niggas the whole time. She was getting finessed. It be your man's it's a man's world, little baby. Now, um I am reading that Meg, she did have a small win in court yesterday, which would allow her to drop music and she has music dropping tomorrow actually. Now, so I would say that is song that is progressing faster than we thought. I mean, we don't want to have another little Wayne Birdman incident that take like four or five years to get, um, like settled. But my whole thing is this: like I said, it's it's two it's twenty twenty now. It is twenty twenty now, and you cannot like it's like the boy who cried wolf. It's like rappers always do this. Like, okay. She saying she was Megan Thee Stallion when she signed a 1501. That is false. 1501 put Megan Thee Stallion in the position to be Megan Thee Stallion. Now, I mean, if you look at it from the standpoint of, I mean, you, it's a business at the end of the day. And homie business or friend business don't doesn't happen. So if a lot of people think that the artists are the company and the label and the managers and all that shouldn't make money off the rappers, but that's ludicrous. Like everybody has to get paid. Yes. The artist is the company, but everything, the machines and everybody in the corner of that, um, excuse me, in the corner of that artist has to get paid. And a lot of artists don't see that. 
So, I mean, yeah, I seen um, everybody saying that she only got, she, she, she didn't get a meal off the stuff she was getting. She only got, what, 40% of what she was supposed to get, then she still had to pay money to them. So, I mean, in this whole situation, I'm going to say this. Rappers just got to get smarter. They got to take the smarter route. She making it seem like she was um years younger. It was two years ago when you signed that 15-on-1 contract. I mean, you got to be at least a half a decade for me to believe that you're smarter than you was back then. Like, come on now. And you just got to stop signing your life away with dreams and hopes of glory. But then when it comes, you wonder why you're not profiting money like you're supposed to. This is things you got to have your lawyers look at. And if you want to take the easy way out and just the easy way out got you in this position that you're in right now. And you got Jay Prince who um, he took the Instagram to respond today. And if you know the OG Jay Prince of Houston, Texas, um, the mob ties, you know, rap a lot. And you know, already know every time he makes a post, it's lengthy. And I'm going to read it out to you now. Now, um, breaking news alert. Houston, we have a problem. Megan, along with Rock Nation employee Gatinjali Grace Lear, um, decided to include my name in a lawsuit wrapped around lies and stupidity. We're going to get this shit straight. Now, let's deal with the root of this issue. The root is a familiar one for me coming from a successful independent record label's perspective. We as independent record labels make many sacrifices along with our artists. After we do all the hard work together with artists, it's a known fact that the met- the major record labels and established managers attempt to poach the fruits of our labor. One of the first thing they do is criticize the deal that raised the artists from the dead. These record labels and managers don't want shit to do with these artists until the hard work, risk, and sacrifice and resource have been spent by the little guys. This is the same technique of the culture vultures. I didn't allow this to happen to me when New York and L.A. record labels attempted to take my artists. So they um, labeled me as a malicious for fighting back. I didn't allow it then, so I damn sure ain't going to allow it to happen to 15 or 1 records or any other independent record labels that I'm associated with. Boy, it's a lot. For the record. We have no problem with negotiating with Megan, but we do have a problem with dictators. I find it very interesting that Rock Nation would allow their employee to sign an affidavit and statement full of slanderous lies and on my methods to doing business when we have partnered together on several occasions. I don't think Jay-Z is aware of this, but only time will tell. Megan, even though she signed an affidavit, talked down and lied in court documents on me. I understand how lawyers brainwash artists to milk them of funds and lawsuits that they know they can't win. Megan seems to be a perfect candidate for self-destruction. Any artist in the music industry will testify that a 40% profit share is a great deal, especially from an unestablished artist that to this day has never delivered an album. To end this, I give credit to where credit is due. Megan, along her mother, who eventually could read God rest her soul, negotiated a good deal. Now it was a mouthful. But this is exactly what I just said. Almost. But more lengthy. And that's how business works. And she hasn't dropped an album to this day, so 
Are you telling me you're going to up the percentage on a mixtape artist? Forget the 8 mil followers on Instagram and trademarking Hot Girl Summer. She hasn't dropped an album yet. We don't know if she's a sure thing yet. And to give her more than 40%? Come on now. You got to look at it from an independent label standpoint. Independent. Come, like Independent labels make or break artists. But usually when they make the artist and he go mainstream and he's big, that's when the major come in and try to take away. Then that's why you're seeing a lot of artists, they catalog or discography or whatever you call it. They lose the hunger once some major labels get involved because the hunger's not there. An independent label, it humbles you. That's why TDE is one of the best labels in the game today. Humble. like It came from the bottom. Still an independent label, but that's a very successful independent label. And you got to do business with what Schoolboy Q, Kendrick Lamar. They got to do business with Interscope. So it was good. It went full circle. But one thing that we can't do, man, is look at this and not get nothing from it. All artists, stop signing these contracts. If you've got dreams and you think that you can make it to the mainstream, that's fine. Believe in yourself. But don't try to sign something then think everything is going to be well because you got to look very, a lot of people just look at percentages, but the percentage matters too, but you got to look at the terms and X amount of years. You got to drop X like these amount of albums and all that. Like you got to take into consideration the terms. A lot of people don't do that. They see that advance, probably don't look at, um, the percentage and they just go off the money. They know it can get in advance. Like, but whatever, man. And that's how I view this whole situation, man. Like, the rappers just got to get smarter, man, about business and understand that music is like 30% of the rap industry. The other 70 is the business and the work that you got to put in to push your artists and put the machine behind the artist so the artist is big as they think they can get. And a lot of artists don't realize that. Until they do realize that, we're going to have a lot of keep having situations like this where... Instagram story or via Instagram video or Twitter or whatever, they're going to call out their label because they wasn't paying attention to what they signed or they had, it was young, there was too young in Megan's case or they was young or well, what she was 20 back then. So I don't understand why she couldn't sign the contract herself. Her mother had to, I mean, when you over the age of 18, you can sign contracts yourself, but 17 and younger, I mean, your parents got to sign it and that's in everything. But I don't understand why she's not signing it or like trying to get a contractual lawyer to view the terms. I mean, rappers, bro, we got to get smarter because this is really getting out of hand. So, sources around the NFL believe that teams are expecting Amari Cooper not to return to the Dallas Cowboys this season. Now, my initial reaction when hearing this this morning was that, I mean, is he replaceable? And easily, he is replaceable. Thinking about this past season and what we could have been off better receiver play, we definitely can replace him. I mean, I don't think what I only think he caught like fifty-two. Uh, he got like fifty-two catches, and that was just at home. It was like he played better at home than he did away. And away is like he forgot how to catch and he didn't run the right routes and. I admit some passes were overthrown to him, but 
he just didn't have that Amari that we had seasons prior and the season prior. And that's what we didn't get out of him. So, I mean, that's what we were expecting. We got it. I mean, less than what 50% of the time, but you can't just play good at home games. And I think, he was better at home, and we we can't have that type of play. We need that type of play wherever we are, whether it's Dallas or wherever. Like, we need that same type of play, and he was just showing up on home games. And you would forget that he was even in the game when we played on the road. So now looking at this, I understand why he probably don't want to come back or he, he's not getting paid or there. I mean, it's so much talk about Dak getting paid. I mean, what is he going to get paid? And – Quietly behind doors, he probably negotiated some numbers that he would like to have. But this past season, like, he didn't play like he deserved whatever what money he probably think he deserved. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he was um, secretly injured or something because that is a thing. And these athletes will tell you after the fact when they didn't make the playoffs or got knocked out, they'll use that as an excuse. But I don't think he was secretly injured. I really don't. I don't think he was secretly injured. I just think I don't know where his mind was. I mean, I thought him and Dak had him and Dak. They do have great chemistry, and I would love to see how he would be utilized in this West Coast offense coming in with McCarthy. But I don't know that we could really use his type of play that we just seen from him. I don't know that. I don't know which Amari we gonna get. Can we get Amari that? Um, Caught the uh, late game pass and overtime against the Eagles, tipped it up and caught it, ended the game. Can we get that Amari versus the Amari from this past season against the uh, Patriots who barely caught a pass and just looked embarrassing the whole game? Like, if we can get that Amari versus the Eagles versus the one against the Patriots this past season, I mean, then we could probably do something that we know that if we knew that was what we was getting, but we don't. And uh, the Joneses could be looking at it like, I mean, we probably got the best years out of him. I mean, that was our first-round pick, even though he wasn't a first-round pick, but we gave up a first-round pick to get him from the Oakland Raiders at the time. And that's just – that was our pick. But I thought we had more years to develop this bond between him and Dak. I mean, I thought they had the chemistry there already, but chemistry ain't the thing. It's the production. And Dak can only do but so much. Zeke can only do but so much. The defense can only do but so much. And we need strong-minded receivers. Not to mention the Eagles game where I felt like he dropped the most passes in that game that mattered the most. Like, that game kind of pissed me off. That other game was determining our playoff spot. And uh, it just made me hot. This is one of those like seasons that I really want to forget from the Dallas Cowboys. And then, trust me, we had Tony Romo. So those, there are plenty of years like that. But this is one of those seasons I just want to forget. I mean, we we got we got Garrett out of there. Didn't think that was gonna be happening because he was just a regular lassie lap dog for Jerry Jones. And I never thought we'd see that marriage and that little breakup, but it happened. It's better for the Cowboys that Garrett is not there. I think where he going to the Giants or some shit like that or whatever. But, I mean, he only going to teams that he actually played for as a quarterback or whatever. But, I mean, not really mad at it at all. 
But I just hope that we can bounce back because, I mean, it wouldn't be the Cowboys without at least a decent or good receiving core. That's what we always need to stay relevant and to keep the offense going the way it should. So, I mean, Amari, they don't want to pay you the money that you feel you deserve or you feel like you was in some type of, had some type of dry spell last season and you could prove it wrong. Shit, go elsewhere and prove it wrong. I mean, but if you feel like you need to redeem yourself and take whatever they're throwing out there at you and then maybe that could turn into something bigger, then do that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, do whatever you feel, man. Still be a fan, even though you won't have a star on your helmet and wear the blue and white. But, I mean, hey, it's a it's a business at the end of the day. And I really don't try to take um, none of the stuff personal and sports and all that because I know, you feel me, they're just, they really can't decide. But, you know, it is what it is, man. There's no hard feelings here. And I wish him the best career if he doesn't return to the Dallas Cowboys. So, it's all love at the end of the day. Cool. Like I said in the intro, um, little baby dropped my turn on Friday, and when it dropped, you know, like I was wondering what we was gonna get from baby. It was gonna be something like um, his last project, but actually, it's been in heavy my, in my heavy rotation on Spotify, along with Herd's project, and this is a very good project from little baby. I mean, it's lengthy, but the tracks in this lengthy album are, I would say, for the most part, very good. It's not too many skips on this album for me. Personally, looking at the track list, I mean, Get Ugly, the intro, Heating Up with Gunna, How, one of my favorite tracks, um, Whoa, I mean, everybody know what Whoa is. That was like one of the lead singles. Live Off My Closet featuring Future, definitely fire. And I like the little baby Future um, tracks that we've gotten so far. Um, Emotionally Scar is my def- definitely my favorite song on this project. And I, one thing I like about this project, in my opinion, this is what sets Lil Baby away from everybody. Because in QC, that's the label with City Girls, Lil Yachty, Migos, you know. And he's the most consistent guy to drop music. Like, and even this was his long, longest period without dropping every few months, but he's still the most consistent out of that group. We know Migos dropping Culture 3 soon, and I don't really know. I know Lil Yachty is working on Lil Boat and oh, giving down. What the fuck? Oh, it's down, Mike. But um, there we go. I'll fix it back. But down, um, we know um, that, like, it takes time with these labels and you can't drop as frequently, but Lil Baby was the one that was dropping so frequently and coming back with this, I think he could be able to sit on this for the rest of 2020 and, you know, I mean, by while stacking up features, but I don't know, we might get another project for Lil Baby, probably be the end of the year, but this was a good release from Lil Baby in my opinion. I think every song, I think he unleashed a different flow or different cadence, you know, or melodies and stuff like that and it just showed how versatile he is with his sound and rapping and how better of an artist that he has gotten since the last time he's released a project in my opinion this is what puts Lil Baby in a different class of the new school artists because listening to this project this is only vibes that Lil Baby can give you like 
Nobody else can give you these vibes that little baby give. It's like he's in his own lane and he's mastered it. And it's like he just knows when to snap on it. Like he knows when to use his like special powers, so to speak. Like he knows how to use it. He he knows that like that's his sound and his lane and he stays in it. And he knows then how to make it born. Like people say that somebody make the same song with 15, 16 times, but in their mind, they're making a new product. It's just the way it sounds and the way they go about it from the listener standpoint that it sounds the same. But none of these songs up here give you the same vibe. None of these songs up here sound the same, even with production. You got Tay Keith um, and a lot of great production. I can't think of off the top right now, but it's a lot of great. Um, I think Day Trip is up here. Man, for sure. I'm not sure if he got um, Metro up here. But, yeah. Speaking of Metro, though, I think him and 21 Savage is dropping Savage Mode 2 around, what, March 13th. I think um, Uzi going to drop that day. And I think Playboy Cardi might drop. So, um, yeah. It's going to be a good uh, few weeks in hip-hop. March, definitely some good. Projects released in March, whether it's Pop Smoke, Meet the Wu Two, and there's a lot of there's a lot of good music being dropped in March that I can say. So, like I said, when the baby dropped his album, um, I mean, Lil Baby dropped his album, dropped the same day as G Herbo, and like I said about these albums is these are two good albums, man. G Herbo, this is everything that I expected in the PTSD episode, and off the intro he just pulls you into this like makes you interested in this project used Jay-Z Dynasty intro and flipped it and split, put bars on it and just let you know what it's like to come from being in Chicago man and Glass in the Face featuring A Boogie in this bitch Death Row Party in Heaven featuring Lil Dirk PTSD featuring Chance the Rapper Juice World, Lil Uzi all my favorite songs, Gang Banging by Any Means, 21 Savage. But the song I like the most is Lawyer Fees. And that is featuring, um, excuse me, the uh, Polo G, the young guy in Chicago right now. That's who that's featuring. And I feel like this is the release that I've been waiting for for G Herbo. Because I feel like Swervo and Still Swerving was just mixtapes to me. Like, after Humble Beast, I feel like he just took a hiatus and did a mixtape, you know, shit like that. But I think this is what we need from G Herbo. I think this is what's going to put him in, like, a legit category. He's one of the best rappers, not just in Chicago, but in the rap game, period. And this, this is definitely one of the best albums. Probably going to come out this year. That's a strong statement because I know I said Kendrick and Meek dropping this year, but this is going to be a great album. I'm like looking down at it, like looking back at this. This is going to be one of those classic albums. And it's his sophomore release as far as albums, but this is a classic. Some people don't always hit the home run on their first one, the first time, you know, their debut album. Some guys hit the home run on their um Sophomore. Some guys hit it on their third. I'm like, you never know. But he hit the home run this time and put himself in hip-hop history, at least in my eyes. So, yeah. 
Um, PTSD by G Herbo streamed that as well as My Turn by Lil Baby. And it's interesting seeing Lil Baby fans and G Herbo fans. And somehow young boy fan, NBA Youngboy fans got into the mix talking about who was better or who album is better. Meanwhile, Lil Baby and G Herbo, they posting each other albums the same day talking about how they fought with each other album. One thing I don't like within the black community is people... People defend artists and shit like they get paid to do it. They don't even know you exist. On top of that, these motherfuckers, half of these niggas be supporting each other. Why y'all going at each other in comments and shit like that? Or who better? Young boy, baby, herbo. Like, the fuck out of here. Like, it's so childish. Like, you don't get paid to defend any of these niggas. Like, they don't even know you personally. Like, why are you taking it so personal? And... That's why one of the things I don't like about social media is everybody think they got to voice their opinion, even on shit that nobody even give a fuck about, at least from them. Like, most motherfuckers' taste in music is trash. So, a lot of these debates niggas be having about these rappers that probably one of them I never heard of or both of them I never heard of, niggas' taste in music is straight ass. And before I make this next statement, bro, that's how I know niggas' Taste of music is ass. Like niggas, niggas, Gucci Mane is in niggas top five. Gucci Mane is in niggas top five. That's how. <coughs> Damn. See, bro. I want to say this is that coronavirus or something, bro. But nah, I ain't gonna joke about that. But we gonna speak on that. But I don't know. I've been getting sick lately. But um, no stopped up and shit. But um. That is what, like, I don't like how people do that shit, though. They always go against people or other artists. Like, why can't you be happy for everybody? They got they can take care of their family. Then on top of that, like, this G Herbo shit. Like, nigga, I've been listening to this nigga since I was in 10th grade. And then he put out quality projects throughout his whole career. So that just set him in a different class with me. Like he's he's on the road to getting that longevity and shit that he's supposed to have. Like and I don't know how the hell NBA young boy got in the goddamn the goddamn conversation when he he didn't even drop an album. Goddamn he he dropped this week. I think he dropped last week or some shit like that. That nigga his fans and stands, they always find a way to make him relevant in the conversation. Like I know that more than the majority of um NBA young boy fans are kind of like six nine. It's a bunch of suburban kids who never been anywhere close to the hood, so they think listening to his music is what the hood sounds like, and they get behind him, which they should. I mean, him versus six nine. I mean, six nine did shit here and there, but it's always discredited because he snitched about all of it. At least with NBA young boy, we know we get an authentic persona. Like that's who he really is. That's like that's what he really come from. So all the people getting on board, I'm not mad at them. But it's usually people that just never been in that space before in their life. And I say that to say this, like, that's why I appreciate PTSD as an album so much more because it lets you know about, like, what people think Chirac cool for killing people and shit like that. Like, it, it, it causes trauma to people. Some people are never the same growing up in environments like that. That's why I'm glad that this album is made. But whatever, man. I'm giving you off that soapbox. And... Our last topic of the episode, dealing with the legend himself, Jay to Kiss, Kiss of Death, Jay to the Mwah, you know what I mean? 
and he's releasing his um an album called Ignatius Tomorrow, which leaves me with this question that I've been thinking about all week. What does Jada Kiss really mean in the rap game? So I started to think, like, hmm. Like, how would I start this conversation? So let's switch gears for a second. Now, everybody got this shoe in for who they think or, you know, what they think about this MVP running the NBA. And to me, here's my theory. Let's look at um, the second tenure of LeBron James' career. Now, everybody know what LeBron James is to um, the game of basketball and NBA. And to be playing at an elite level, like the way he is, bro, like, the last time LeBron won MVP, it was off a of back-to-back. And it was 2013, but he won 2012 also. And to keep to, to be very honest, to be very honest in this whole situation, LeBron from 2013 to 2020 could have been the league's MVP. And, I, and if you... Last season, I, that's probably the only season I would say because he, he battled with injury. But every year, that means 2014, that's when Kevin Durant won it. 2015, 16, 15, 16 is Curry. 17 is Westbrook. 18, who was it? Uh, Harden. And 19 was Greek Freak. LeBron, it wouldn't have been unfair if he won from 2012 to 20, um, to 2018. It's just been unfair, but as the stats go, he's the best player in the league. Like he's the most valuable player in the NBA since then. But you know how the league is. I mean, you got to make it competitive. You got to open the door for new guys, as he did. And kind of, you know, the next year, Kevin Durant won. Next year, Curry got the back-to-back. And then Westbrook, you know. So he opened the door for other guys to win league MVP, which that's what the NBA is, you know. But some years, some players have better years than others. But through that stretch, LeBron James was still clearly the MVP, league's MVP. But okay. Now, up to speed, Greek Freak wins. A lot of people saying Greek Freak going back. But here's the thing I noticed about the Bucks, And you can play devil's advocate here and say it's the same thing with the Lakers. But I say it has the Lakers have an even. It, they kind of balance it out better. And by that, I mean... Once the Milwaukee Bucks, when they have a bad game and Greek Freak is not Greek Freak and Chris Middleton can't get it going from long range, they are horrible to watch. and They are horrible, period. And I just don't, like, I don't see him coming to back-to-back. I mean, my whole theory about the Bucks is that they can only go as far as Greek Freak takes them. And funny part about that is he ain't gone but so far. So, you know, we seen him in big games and, you know, against some of the league's elite players. And we see how it played out like last season. We see how it played out. It ended with him going home. 
And that's just that. I mean, now, people still want to put Harden in there. I mean, we know what Harden is. But I don't think Harden's style of players don't win a championship ever. And you could throw that OKC 2012 in there. They, uh, they was all young, but I mean, hey. Golden State was young when they won, too. So being young sometimes does not always, you feel me, just like have give you the disadvantage against a more skilled or veteran team. That's not an excuse. It's, it's sports. And more importantly, it's the NBA. And veteran years versus rookies, amateurs, whatever, I mean, okay. But it ultimately comes down to who wants more. And Giannis and Harden, in recent playoff history, playoff years, history, whatever, they just don't want it more than the people they be, be, be playing against. Like, they, uh, they'll win MVP. They'll ball out the whole season. They'll ball out up until the point in the playoffs where they they'll probably still ball out on their elimination game. But they're not very dynamic players. LeBron James is the dynamic player. And people can hold, you feel me, you can hold the grudges against LeBron or whatever. But you can't deny his undeniable talent. Can't deny it. For him to be in year 17 and still elite as he is. And when it's all said and done, I, I think he'll at least leave the Lakers and retire with two championships, at least. Probably more trips to the finals, one or two, but he gonna get at least two championships with the Lakers. And that's just what it is. LeBron, like I said, and everybody, you know, people had, whether people want to admit it or not, at the beginning of the season, the Sixers was a favorable finals team. Like, they had championship expectations, the Sixers, at the beginning of the season. Somehow from October to now, it just fell off the face of the basketball earth. And, I mean, it happens. And, I mean, it was like that for two seasons in a row. But everybody talking about Philly. We did it. We knocked them off. Milwaukee's next. And the Clippers would be this grand finale on this little road trip or whatever. This little, um, what? Three-game stretch. Well, four-game stretch, actually. Because the BBI had the Pelicans. So it was actually a four-game stretch. Because everybody wanted to see the young high school phenomenon of today versus the, what, 0203 high school phenomenon and all that. Like, it's, it, I mean, everybody tuned into that game, me including. But, I mean, I made a whole episode about it. The LeBron versus uh, Zion episode. But if you look at... Recent sports greats, basketball greats, wherever sport you want to categorize it with, we don't see this type of dominance in year 17. Like, past 10 years, you don't see that type of dominance. 
past, you feel me, and some and for some athletes less than ten years. Probably five in a five year span, that's probably the best you'll see of that that particular athlete in whatever sport. So for him to come in out of high school, skip college, and still be dominant today. It's remarkable. That is just totally remarkable. And that's why I'm going with MVP. I mean, you cannot deny this. We did not see this from Jordan. We did not see this from um Magic. We did not see this from Bird. We definitely saw this with Kareem, but I mean, it's Kareem played 20 years. One of the best NBA players in history. Greatest NBA players in history, excuse me. So this doesn't happen a lot. This this should be something that we should be praising, like something that should be in the history books, like 17 years and it looks like he haven't lost a step. Still explosive. Still can make those high energy dunks, high energy blocks, still effective on defense. Not showing a sign of slowing down on offense. Actually extending his range to the Lakers are to shoot 36 footers. That's adjusting to the game. We can look back. It's going to be a time where all these guys that think Jordan or Jordan or Bird or Magic is the greatest, is the GOAT, they're not going to always dictate the narrative. At some point, the millennials are taking over and they're going to be the journalist and analyst and LeBron is going to be the GOAT when these guys from a different generations tell it. And because his career and longevity in his dedication to the game of basketball is just something that needs to be remembered forever. So that's my take on this whole NBA race and why it should go to LeBron James. When I think of Jada Kiss, I think of a pure lyricist when writing bars he doesn't waste a line in none of his bars and he makes you think about the shit that he raps about and he gives you descriptive imagery of everything that he raps about and you can tell it's from a place of vulnerability that he's been there and Zedekiss is definitely top five dead or alive and the reason I said that Gucci man thing just now about people and bad taste in music is because Gucci Mane is not lyrically better than Lil Wayne. Definitely not Jay-Z. Not Nas. Kendrick. Um, J. Cole. Definitely. Um, Eminem. Definitely not none of them. And he's definitely not more lyrically like talented than Jadakiss. And that's what I'm just saying. Like Now like it's different. It's a, ride, it's a wide range of music that people like. People dislike for whatever reason. But you got to love this era of hip-hop because there's so much to choose from. 
You got people in their lyrical bag. You got people that just make fun club records. You got people who make emo, like, sad trap type shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's different lanes. Like, you got Trippy Red. You got Block Boy JB. You got everything in between. Like, and that's what you got to love about hip-hop. So, when I think about Kiss and he came in a different time of hip-hop and definitely watched hip-hop change as a game and a business. He, you feel me? So, Kiss, I think he'll always be like known for his verses, freestyles, radio freestyles, on stage freestyles, like just being equipped with the bars. That's what Jada Kiss is. That's what I think about when I think about Al Qaeda Jada, you know what I mean? Jay Song. But I don't know if kids today know what Jada Kiss is. They probably just know him for a, like, a, a ad lib laugh or whatever. Like, Jada Kiss is definitely one of the best lyricists in hip-hop history, without a doubt. You can't make an album called Top 5 Dead or Alive. You feel me? That's that's a bold statement itself. But to name an album that and be able to back it up on every track, and not even just with that album. Previous work, you know, Kiss the Game Goodbye, Kiss My Ass, um, Kiss of Death, like, these are great goddamn projects from Jada Kiss. It might get swept under the rug because it was a different time of hip hop then. But I'm quite sure a lot of people a lot of people remember him for his song Why. But if you don't, bro, I suggest you go on Spotify, Apple Music, Title, wherever you stream your music, and just listen to a Jada Kiss album or a couple of songs and understand the true essence of hip hop and why I love it. And Jada Kiss would be one of the reasons that I truly love hip hop for what it is and everything that it has came to be, everything that it once was, and hopefully the evolution will never stop. So, with that being said, that's the end of the episode, and I'm gonna just go ahead and jump into the outro. So, end of the episode, y'all already know how we do. Clocked in for episode 67, the labels episode. Thanks for everybody that support and who donated to the podcast. And if you haven't donated to the podcast, hit me directly on Instagram at Money Gang Pod, and I will send you the support link to donate to the Money Gang Podcast. First and foremost, thank you to Anchor. Thank you for the sponsorship. Shout out to my Apple Podcast listenership. Um, shout out to my Spotify listenership and Google Google Podcast listenership. Everybody who listen on whatever platform. I'm trying to spread this out, get it on every podcast platform as it is and it's a process but it will happen you see it happen on spotify you see it happen with uh, pocket cast and you see it happen with um apple podcast so i would like to give a shout out to everybody who's streaming on whatever platform let's keep this thing going and i just got some big dreams like to do with this company with podcasting and just to license this one is all said and done and be able to like live my life of being a podcaster and being able to reap the benefits of doing this. So this is something that I take very seriously and that I had to get my mind in the right space to do this consistently. So with that being said, end of the podcast. Till next time, next Thursday, check us out. And after this outro, I'll do another sponsorship ad for Anchor. So that's that. Till next time, folks.